back to another episode of Two Black Nerds. My name is Romeo Quihangana. And I'm Mihai Yekachuku. Welcome back, y'all. It's been a minute, but starting off the new year with another episode of Two Black Nerds. Romeo, how you been? What's new? Uh, I'm doing really good. I'm doing great. Uh, the major thing that happened at the beginning of this year is that I transitioned from being a electrical engineer and hardware engineer to working in the software field. And that was transformation long overdue, uh, but I'm happy that I made it. How about yourself? What's new in your world? First off, congrats on making the switch to the dark side of <laughs> software. Uh, you know, it's good to have you in uh, my world. Um, with me, nothing new really, man. Um, you know, still working on GitHub Actions. Um, Still at the same job. I didn't make the switch from software to hardware. Um, probably the most new thing in my life to date is probably that built a gaming computer. Oh, yeah. Um, how, did, how did that go? It was painful because I got one of those small form factor cases, you know. Um, mm -hmm. Generally speaking, people choose big cases and you have a lot more room to work in. But I probably have like one of the smallest cases in the market, the Dan case, uh, A4. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I wish I had more room to work in because plugging things in was painful. But other than that, it turned out great. Like I'm recording this episode from a new computer. So it's pretty cool. It's weird being back on Windows after having been on Mac OS for so long. But uh, I've been getting back into gaming and realizing how addicting it is. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. So you went from Mac to Windows and I went from Windows to Mac and... Um, for me, to be honest, the whole command versus control for my shortcuts has been burning me a lot. Dude, me too. It's just annoying. I'm just like, uh, my brain keeps on forgetting. So it's like now I'm trying to, I think I'm like, a, I, I was going to like switch them up so I can like stop forgetting it. Some of my keyboards that I have um, have switches that make them behave the same. So I mm -hmm. think I may have to do that just for my uh, personal sanity. But we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So so the topic du jour is actually Romeo's transition into software. Um, I got a whole slew of questions I want to ask you. And I also want our listeners to get an insight on like, you know, just your thought process about how you want to transition into working in software, how and you, why the yeah. Why the career transition in the first place and yeah. all that jazz. Yeah, absolutely. All, man, that, I got you. all the works, everything, the behind the scenes of everything. So uh, let's kick this off. All so, right, man. yeah, first question I had for you was like, how did you come to the decision to even like switch from being an electrical engineer and just doing all this hardware stuff on planes to working in software and, being a, and becoming a software engineer? So for me, um, the reason to do kind of like this big of a pivot um, involves a few things. But one of the most important ones is that I was no longer happy at work for multiple mm -hmm. reasons. Um, and the main reason being that I had gone into electrical engineering wanting to do hardware. And after three years of being in there, so from 2014, 2000. 17, I was actually what they call a systems engineer, which doesn't necessarily involve hardware at all. It's mostly uh, looking at the processes that are involved into making the hardware and making sure 
that things are meeting both uh, regulation and uh, meeting sp uh, the specifications that are uh, required, right? Um, so it sounds like you're like a, it's like a QA engineer kind of for, uh, for like uh, planes or whatever. Yeah, so you you could you could think about it like that. Um, while while QA gets involved, kind of like is involved throughout the whole process um, because of how big the projects are in the aviation field. Uh, there's a separate kind of role analogous to QA that is more of like the that involves the part of like the creation part, like looking at making sure that we don't do more than it is required to make a thing, but also that we specify how that thing ought to be made before you engage into the building of it. Because when you're making a plane, you don't have the uh, benefit of, iter of iterations. You kind of only have like one go at it. So you want to iterate on the ideation and specification aspect, not necessarily the building aspect, mm -hmm. um, if that makes sense. Yeah, but, so it's a very waterfall-driven development type of 100%, process, right? You can't 100%. do Agile in that. Um, Everyone will try to tell you that they do Agile, but um, it has its drawbacks and you can't really do agile in the construction of the plane because you can only build it once otherwise it's going to take you an extreme amount of money yeah you know software is cheap right if it doesn't work <laughs> the first time you just push up some new code and mm -hmm. uh you're good uh yeah until you get into embedded programming that's a whole nother ball game um, yeah. so but for me i had been kind of like had gone in thinking like hey i'm gonna be making hardware uh, I'm going to be making printed circuit boards and I go in there and that's not what I'm doing. Yeah, um, old bait and switch. Exactly. The old bait and switch. Also on my part, I really didn't research, do mm -hmm. my like proper research going into it. Um, but effectively after three years of trying to both pivot within the company and saying, Hey, let me figure out how to get there. Uh, I was like, you know what? It looks like. First of all, this hardware engineering thing is like, it's not going to work out the way I want it to. Um, and I probably need to start looking at different fields and saying, hey, where else can I, uh, what else can I do that, what else do I enjoy doing that I can both like make a living at that's not doing hardware, yeah. right? Makes sense. Um, and there were two fields that I explored. There was like industrial design that I looked at yeah, and then software. Time. Yeah. So I looked at those two things and from kind of from my evaluation, um, industrial design, like I do like sketching, but I don't necessarily like every single part involved into uh, becoming industrial designer. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I'd like making sketches here and there, probably learn a little bit of how to use the markers and whatnot to color. But things, didn't you but... do that in undergrad? You took like some industrial design electives back when we were in school together. Mm -hmm. You were a beast at it. Yeah, so I, I liked the sketching part, but I was terrible, terrible at the rendering part, like the Photoshop yep. and the Autodesk aspect of it. I was pretty bad. Yeah, the cadding aspect, I was like, eh. And that's the part where I was like, you know what? I know what I like in this industrial design part, and I don't necessarily want to make uh, make it part of a live, like make that the thing that I like, the thing that I try to make money off of, because sometimes in trying to make a living of the thing you'd like, you end up hating it. And I was yeah, like, dog. Not... somehow it hasn't happened with me in software yet, but I exactly, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And I was like, you know what, but I do enjoy software. I've done it a few times, um, in undergrad 
for our first year we did MATLAB, right? Um, kind of introduced to loops. For it is. Oh my god, I hate that mathematical tool. (laughs) It is actually one of it's one of the best mathematical processing tools out there, right? Even yeah, like Python is trying to get there, but MATLAB has it be uh, on image processing and uh, uh, what should we call it? PDs, partial derivatives, and like solving mathematical problems. MATLAB is definitely a beast at that. Yeah, but um, MATLAB doesn't have uh, neural networks and stuff like that. They, actually probably does. I'm talking out. I'm, I'm just talking. They've crap, they've, they've introduced it recently, but yeah. I remember using it uh, like knowing for loops, while loops, and stuff like that. Uh, and then the next time that we I remember doing programming was uh, C plus plus. Second year um, experience was really rough because we're doing like remoting into machines and whatnot, but. I just remember that the ability to check whether or not I did something right in that moment was very refreshing. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that though, because um you like it was paying for remoting into machines, but it's like eh, it is what it is. Like on like computer science people had to do that for like most of their classes and stuff like that. That's true. Yeah. Um but, but I guess also what... it's nice having a compiler and type checks and stuff like that. Is that what you're referring to and like getting that feedback of like knowing what you did was right or wrong or were you referring to something else? No, I was, I was referring to that specifically, right? Like having the compiler tell you, hey, you've been successful at what you're doing or hey, you have not been successful at what you're doing within like a reasonable amount of time, right? Because in the yeah, world right. I was in prior to that was all feedback um, for hard, like if we were to build hardware, we would send it and would get anything back for six to eight weeks. And so whatever mistake you made wouldn't be apparent until six to eight weeks. And even if you want to repair it, like if you made, if you couldn't do it right specifically, you just had to kind of settle with, I fixed it, this is okay. Uh, and there's never gonna, I'm never gonna have the chance at rebuilding it because it's gonna take six to eight weeks to do it right. Yeah, so right. that's true, that's true. So it's like, um. I think you mentioned, touched on this, like, um, whenever just talking about, um, you know, uh, your time at GE, but, um, you were there for a while. Did you stay mostly because you wanted to focus on like seeing if you can make that switch internally and also then being like, well, once you hit a wall with that, that's when you're like, all right, let me make this leap. Or was there other factors influence it outside of that? Like, just wanted to make sure we get the whole so, scoop. Yeah. So I'll say like the first years was really me trying to. I was focused on trying to make that internal pivot. I was like, you know what? I'm already in here. There's a division that actually does the hardware, even though I'm doing systems work right now, I can probably transition into doing hardware if um, if I can. Um, so let me try to join a group that does that. Um, so three years in, I uh, joined the hardware group that does hardware stuff and I hit a roadblock there. And the roadblock was that it was a small team, small company, uh, at least small division. And the people who knew how to do and teach hardware were so busy that I never had the mm-hmm. time to learn. Um, and so whenever I tried to find and look for resources to learn on my own, it was very difficult. It wasn't as abundant as uh, software tutorials and stuff like that. Yeah. And I also wanted to kind of be productive at work, i.e. like feel like I was participating. And so that loop was very kind of defeating in that 
I was trying to learn, but there was no one to teach. I was trying to teach myself, but there were no good resources to do that. And that kind of fed, fed like a negative feedback loop, at least for me personally um, at the time. Nah, and so word, word. I feel that. That's, yeah. Then on top of that, so there was like work frustration. And also there was like, so that frustration had built up to the point that I was very much like not happy at work. And it was starting to show, it was starting to look at other places uh, that I could go find uh, jobs at. But because of the region I'm in, I'm in Dayton, Ohio, GE paid really well um, for my position and the position I was at. More and money, more problems. You could say that. And coming from a like uh, immig- immigrant background, like not having a job or the idea of, um, I was more married to the idea of financial security than I was married to the idea of a like looking for a career fulfillment, if that makes sense. That makes sense. It's like one of the things like, you know, while I'm not like, well, I'm not like, uh, you know, I'm first gen. I know you immigrated here in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's like one of the things that varies like uh, is like something that's prominent culturally, especially among like, you know, African folks, or at least like mm-hmm. just the West African mentality, it's a matter of like, oh, like you know, stability and like risk aversion and like playing it safe. Just as long as exactly. you have a well-paying job, and like as long as you have a job that pays well, you know, like it's not even necessarily happiness per se. But my parents have started noticing how important like work happiness is with us. But it's like a matter of like um, professional security, like you know, just um, job security, financial security, and risk mm-hmm. aversion. And like, I remember like, it's like, it's just like the same thing. Whenever I said I'm moving from Texas to New York city, you know, my parents are just like, New York is more expensive. And like, what if like, you don't like this new job than like your um, current job, you know, but at the same time, it's just a matter of like having to take those risks and everything is not like, you know, you have to make, take these risks and like, in order to grow as a person. And also, you know, it's anxiety inducing, I think, yeah. or you're just feeding yourself um anxiety by not doing so right like yeah. you know, i don't know it's just a matter of just like thinking like it's the end of the world but exactly and like yeah. the, the relationship of of uh risk taking and anxiety and all those is very different it, like it differs based on like the places you've been and the experiences you've had right mm-hmm. so like for someone who's lived in the U- u.s their whole life there's a few things that could, they can assume as given right like for example I remember in college, a lot of the, one of the things that kind of like hit me, I was like, oh, for certain of my classmates actually going back home and living in the parents' basement is something they can do, right? And for me, from a risk perspective, i.e. I take a risk and I fail, right? Me going back to like my mom's place was not something that I was comfortable doing, right? It's mm-hmm. not something that I was also culturally, it was not culturally like accepted. Right. And so that kind of anxiety and that part of like that cultural mapping in my mind is one of the reasons why I stayed for so long in a, in a job that I was really not necessarily not fitted to, but that I wasn't happy at. Right. Cause I felt kind of trapped, not because like the employer was keeping me, but rather that there was this cultural understanding and mappings that were feeding my train of thoughts into that led me to just stay overall. That makes sense. I feel you on that. Yeah. And so, so that's why I stayed for a really long time. Yeah. Um, and then there was like a lot of work into kind of unraveling that train of thought 
uh, which involved like me talking a lot to my uh, girlfriend, but also doing some therapy um, to kind of untangle those ideas and how, and that led me to understand like the, I didn't have to stay uh, yeah. where I was at and it was okay just transitioning. And for a lot of people it was evident, but before I was at, it was not. Yeah, right? for but sure. that's why I stayed for a little, really long time. That makes sense. So given that, um, I'd like to like, uh, like, so once you finally made the decision, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this, I'm going to, I'm going to commit to doing this. What was your mm -hmm. process for making the like transition? Like, did you, I like, did you go to a boot camp and like, like, or did you think about going to a boot camp? and like, why did you like, like just, why did you take the path that you took? I'm just trying to get an idea yeah. of like, you know, how you came to uh, make this so decision the, and all absolutely. that so, consider. So after I, so after like the decision was made to like, oh, hey, I'm going to bump, like I'm going to bounce. Uh, the, the first thing I did was kind of like figuring out, like saving a lot of money and uh, kind of figuring out what I was, what was I going to do between like when the time I left and the time that I, was going to be figuring out how to get into the software realm to begin with, right? That's one. Well, the second path, like the learning aspects of it, was to figure out, okay, what resources do I use to learn this? So for the mm -hmm. longest time, I had tried to do online learning on my own, doing tutorials, following this yeah. and that. And for me, it turned, I didn't have, at least at the time, I didn't have that great of an experience with it. Um, yeah. In that I was trying to, do tutorials, complete tutorials, but I really like, I would follow one path and then I would just stop and go to another one. Like at some point I was doing yeah. the Udacity online classes and then I wouldn't finish that class. And then I would follow like a Flask tutorial uh, for like three series and I wouldn't, I wouldn't finish it. At some point I used the uh, DataCamp's uh, product and I did it for three classes and then I stopped and I didn't finish it. And there was a lot of like learn, stop, learn, stop loop that was going on that um, I couldn't really pinpoint why that was happening. Um, but it really like I felt really defeated um, in the process. And so I started looking at other options. Like the first option I looked at was were boot camps, right? Um, then the challenge with boot camps that I had were that none of them were in Dayton, right? So yep. I'm in the middle of nowhere America, as some would say. And so like the closest, the closest boot camps that are there are probably, I think there's one in Columbus. Uh, but I was like, am I really going to like drive 90 minutes over and over? Like, th am I going to add three hours of commute to just make that happen? So that's a lot mind, of work for like, you know, to go and sit in some classes and then go back, you know? Exactly. So I didn't, I didn't feel that. Um, two, they would have cost me money. Um, most boot camps right. that I've seen cost like 15K to 20K. And I'm like, um, so I'm going to forget that. Also, part of that meant that I needed to save extra money on top of that yeah. in order to live during that time. And so that didn't, uh, wasn't a thing for me. And two, like I have family in the area. Um, and like one of the things that I had learned during my work time is that like a local network of support from family, like I benefit from that. And For so sure. the idea of a boot camp kind of defeated that whole 
support、uh, system being near you. Support system being there for me. And then there's some that are online, but then I was like, I had just tried this online thing. It really didn't work out. Now I feel、uh, that. And so that's why for me, boot camps were in the, like were in the next best step.、Um, then my girlfriend just said, "Hey, like, listen, I'm taking classes to become a nurse at this community college thing."、Um, they have some coding classes you can check it out. Like, yeah. And if it doesn't work, like you can definitely try it. If it doesn't work, you can stop it. But and it's probably、know. cheaper than a boot camp, you know. Oh yeah, dude.、Um, People say community me, college, but it's、uh, like you know, it's a good way to like gain new skills and it's cheap. Than、mm-hmm. going to a four-year university and everything like that, and you can take classes kind of like、um, a la carte rather than having to commit to like a degree. Exactly.、So、that's、right. nice. For me, I and the thing is like, what kind of surprised me is like, it didn't even occur to me to just go there in the first place. And like, why didn't I think about going to the community college? Right? Why not? And kind of two things kind of popped up when I asked myself that question, which was one. Part of it was pride, right? Like I'd gone、right. to four year at University of Notre Dame, and then I did my masters at University of Dayton. Why, like, why is it? Do I? Why, why can't? Why? Why can't I teach myself? Why、mm-hmm. is that the case? Right. So that's like definitely like the first reason why I didn't go. But then I looked at is like you just tried to do this online thing. It didn't work out. Like what is like what's what is it going to cost you if you were to go? Right. And I found that they had like pretty good options, right?、Um, for some reason, I thought they wouldn't have like all the the program that I was looking for. I thought they were going to be stuck in like they were only going to do like Java programming, the base courses and whatnot. But hey, yo, Java, don't sleep on Java, man. No, not not that I'm trying to sleep on Java, but that they would only do、uh, like the intro classes and not do anything more than that, right? You know right, what I'm saying? Right. Yeah.、Um, but then I looked at their their offering. They had a Web development,、uh, short-term certificate. Yeah. Which was like, oh, like this is perfect. It's kind of exactly the direction I want to go into, and so I started taking classes、uh, early last year. Actually, this time last year I was taking、uh, HTML, CSS, and、uh, Intro to C plus plus, kind of like just to get back into it. And unbeknownst to me, to my surprise, it turns out that that's just what I needed. Right. Like, yeah. Having to turn in an assignment every week is something structure, that I'm used to, right? Accountability, like, structure, so- accountability, and like one of the things that I hadn't thought about is like for twelve, sixteen years, like you and I did that, right? We go、yes, to、sir. school, they give us an assignment, we do the work, we turn it in. For twenty, like for sixteen years, we're used to doing、Shoot. that. Even longer for you because you went and got a master's too. So yeah. So like I'm used to that pattern of like someone、yeah. tells me to do something and I do the thing and I turn it in and I feel shame when I don't, right? Yeah. And so kind of going back to community college kind of helped me hook into that pattern that I was used to, and that got me coding、um, every week for like all of last year. Yeah, that's sick. So how? So you were there in the program for like how long?、Uh, one semester. Um. So it was a. So the program is like eighteen credit, uh, six classes. I did. Um. I took three classes before I just before I left GE, and I took two classes at the end of last year, and I have one last class uh left. So nice. Yeah. So, hmm. I'm trying to think of like how to word like what how to transition this. Um. 
So you got, so you broke into the industry and got a job as a software engineer without having completed the certificate. So it's like, so mm-hmm. I'm curious, like, um, what do you think, um, like, how were you able to do that? Um, right. Okay. Couldn't have just been the classes and the coursework that you already took. It had to be something else that like, I think you had multiple offers while interviewing. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I'm curious, like what you think made you stick out and like, um, what helped you during the interview process? Yeah, absolutely. So one, one of the things that I had known uh, just from you, just seeing you uh, going through getting um, your job in uh, after you graduated was that while coursework matters, um, most employees are more impressed that if you have something that you've built on your own, like if you have a project right. of sort where you show that one, yes, I have learned the necessary skills, i.e. with this coursework, two, I can apply it, right? Right. Um, and for me, I wanted to do that. Um, I wanted to have that on the side so that I could have one something to talk to. And I've known in the past that um, from seeing resumes from people coming into GE, that it's I even I was more impressed by people who did something, who had something on the side that they had built. So as I Which sucks went to GE had that GPA requirement, but carry on. I know. Um, so one of the things I had known is that like having a side project of sort kind of boosts your chance to one being memorable, but also boosts your chance of showing that you can apply um, the things that you have uh, that you have learned as well. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I decided, I kind of went through a, a lot of different projects. And one of the ones that I decided to build is one uh, is a cryptocurrency news aggregator. Um, nice. And I figured that that kind of covered a lot of the skills that a web developer needs to know, right? Like there's, um, you know how to do use templates, you know how to use a framework, you know how to use HTML, CSS, but then at the end, you also know how to deploy it, right? Kind of each, my project, I kind of made sure that my project kind of met those requirements um, without it being too um, complex, right? Because I think in the past I was like, Oh, let me build the search engine for XYZ, or let me just build like a podcast aggregator or recommendation engine, something like that. Yeah. That was just a little bit too complex. So I needed to scope that down to something that I felt that I could do. And like a news aggregator just felt very much like that. Um, and so that's how I decided to build that and put that on my resume. What was the tech stack that you used for it? It is by far one of the most. Uh, it's both common, but also uncommon. So I use the uh, Python and Flask uh, for the web aspect of it. Um, for UI, I used uh, HTML, uh, Bootstrap uh, for the CSS framework. Uh, I know React is hot nowadays, but I've used Bootstrap yeah. in the past, and I'm very much used to it, so I decided to use that. Hey, man, go with what you know. Exactly. And last but not least for the database... Uh, I used SQLite um, because I think I'd used it when I was learning SQL and I was very much comfortable with that. And so that's what that's what my uh, tech stack is right now. That's a sub. That's a sub. It's uh, straightforward, pretty modern, and uh, seems mm-hmm. good. Um, I was going to ask something else. Um, what do you... So given that, what do you think was the most challenging part about making the switch into software? 
Um, because he had like, you know, you went to school, um, got some more education and training. Mm-hmm. Um, and also you did a side project. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm just curious, like, what do you think was the most challenging part during this entire, uh, transition? Um, I guess, so the, I can just look at it. So if I look at it into phases, right, like the challenging part, um, the first time, at least for me, was like accepting like what kind like accepting the way the accepting the way that I learn right because this at least when I read online and the different stories there's this perception that you can definitely self-teach and self-learn anything and one of the things that I did not appreciate is my personal learning style so accepting that was a challenge at first but once I did that things went smoothly then the next uh part of the challenge was probably the um the building of the project aspect um because you end up you end up in in the place that almost every engineer ends up at is like how do i do x but no one else has done x right so you end up having to pattern match learn how to pattern match and use a debugger and use like your printout statements to help you out use the browser to help you figure out why something is not working um so the challenging part definitely was like understanding the tooling that would help me debugging yeah and so kind of understanding all the things that are available in the firefox um dev tools and also using uh so for me i use pycharm uh to edit my python code and just understanding shout out JetBrains. How, shout out to JetBrains, uh understanding how the debugger works there to help me kind of get uh get my project going but learning that was challenging but just as soon as I learned the tools, it became much easier to go into, hey, okay, like I'm having issue X. Let me look at place ABC and see if um, that works. Where so. I feel that. Mm-hmm. Nah, I feel that. I feel like um, a lot of things with programming, um, like I feel like a lot of tutorials, there's no true beginner-friendly like way of getting uh not true let me reword that i feel like there's a lot of good tutorials out there but i do think that something i've learned just from being somebody who went from not knowing how to code at all to now working as a software engineer and like going through computer science and stuff like that it's like once you learn like one language pretty well or decently well like in concepts like picking up new language and tools you start being able to like depend on your style of learning it's like with me it's like i like to apply parallels to something i already know and find mm-hmm. similarities in like something new. And so it's like, oh, this is like in Ruby on Rails. It's just like, oh, whenever I was learning Django, I'm just like, oh, this is like the same as like a controller in like Rails or um, a view in Rails and just stuff yeah. like that. Um, but like, if you're a beginner, you know nothing, right? So you have nothing mm-hmm. that can help reinforce and help you understand that. So um, yeah. yeah, it's still dope, man. Seeing you make the like, the growth that came from just making this transition um but even that man nah man it's always i'm always out here i'm always here to support you um so speaking more on the transition it's like what was this like your process for interviewing and searching for a job um like where did you apply were you on stack overflow jobs were you trawling linkedin were you using different sites like i'm curious on like what how you found your current job um or like in and actually like where you like letting our viewers and our listeners know um where you end up landing at and all that as well. Absolutely. Um, so 
in looking for a job, I kind of went, um, I decided to kind of focus a lot on LinkedIn um, because when I was... This is like the first instance I've actually heard of a programmer or a software engineer using LinkedIn to find a job. It's very rare, but... Well, you, you'll, you'll hear what happens at the end because while LinkedIn was like the place I started at, where it ended up at was through... Um, weird like a weird circumstance and happenstance right and so the first thing that happened so i started going at uh linkedin to mainly because like a lot of people had contacted me through linkedin yeah uh from my prior job it was like well like if people are using this to kind of like source their candidate i might as well kind of try to do this and so i updated my resume on linkedin and kind of spruced it up as best as i could and hoping, uh, so I was first like, okay, let me make sure that the resume is good. And then the next thing um, that I did was like, hey, let me start uh, putting an application. Yeah. On LinkedIn, they have this nice feature where you could just apply with your LinkedIn uh, resume, so I, LinkedIn profile. So I started sending a lot of those uh, applications through. Um, funny enough like some of them i would hear a little bit back uh but most of them i was getting passed upon mainly because it seemed that on linkedin a lot of the things that they were looking for is experienced uh people so on linkedin if you have two to three years of experience it seems perfect right because the idea is hey the person who has experience is not necessarily looking for a job but they do have a linkedin presence that they're updating and so that was like my first full pod there and focusing on LinkedIn as the first uh, place. But I kind of started there to kind of get my feet wet. And I heard back from a few people, but ultimately my profile was not a match. I think I got a call back from someone who was looking for uh, a C++ uh, programmer. Uh, while I had done C++ was only introductory and they needed someone who can manage like a 10k line of code for a CAD software, and it was like, eh, that's definitely not me. Sounds painful at all, right? Um, and so LinkedIn didn't like. While LinkedIn, I received a few sources from LinkedIn. It just wasn't that. Um, it wasn't that resourceful. So then the next thing I did was like, okay, let me go on um, Indeed, and then kind of go there, right? And one of the things that was um, that made me focus on indeed is because i was a location bound right so like my yeah because you wanted to stay in dayton yeah uh dayton or cincinnati where um where the areas that i was looking into um because my girlfriend had a important life like she was going to go to school in cincinnati so we needed to stay close in order for that to work so first i kind of bounded my region mm-hmm. and the next thing that happened when i was on indeed was that i started seeing a disproportionate amount of people looking for C Sharp and .NET while I had learned- Hey, Enterprise uh, Landia. Exactly what I had learned Python and uh, Python and HTML, CSS. So that kind of limited how much inbound I got, but I did get a few resume. I think uh, I did get a few callbacks. The first one was from a advertisement firm uh, who does a lot of uh, Google Analytics parsing and they wanted someone who, had, who knew JavaScript and Python was like, well, I could do this. This would be pretty nice. Uh, and then I got someone else who were doing C Sharp, uh, but they were doing it in robotics, like deploying C Sharp on 
uh, C sharp owned robots, and I had done That's like, dope. a little bit of C plus plus, and I was also an electrical engineer, so my experience could directly apply. Uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, neither one of those two situations ended up kind of going through, and overall, I kind of like my hopes were really down at the time. And funny enough, around that time, two opportunities showed up. The first one was from a prior, uh, not prior employee, prior uh, offer that had come in earlier that year that I passed on. Yeah. And then the next one was actually from the company that one of my instructors at Sinclair worked at. Um, And so the first one was go back and to the aviation industry and uh, integrate um, hardware using C++ and the offer from the uh, my instructor uh, was first an internship but it was going to be React uh, Node.js with Postgres SQL uh, mm-hmm. as the back end and so those were the two offers that came through so then I pursued both offers and uh, while I went for the internship I went to the internship as a backup but they quickly looking after looking at my resume they quickly called me back in for a full-time interview and said, all right, like the internship really not fitting for you. Let's bring you in. We're going to talk. We're going to talk. We're going to bring our senior engineers to talk to you and then we'll go from there. Yeah. And so that's how I ended up like, like I didn't, I never expected to get those job offers that way. Cause I you had, know it's interesting that they did that though. Cause that's a very, uh, I think that's a good virtue. Like, or that's a good, like, sign of good faith to like me as uh just like you know as an engineer because like mm-hmm. they could because you know you could easily hire an intern and pay them an intern's pay to do full-time level responsibilities but the fact that they wanted to bring you into full-time like that's respect i got like give them mad props and respect for doing that that's like a very i think um nice and like moral oh, yeah. moral or thing for them to do so I very much appreciated it because I was like, oh, someone's actually valuing like the hard work that I've put in and uh, they're willing to bring me on to kind of like, hey, let's let's see what you know. Let's talk. Let's talk through um, the kind of work that we do here. Um, And so the interview. So that so I got those two offers after applying to like 40 different companies. So I was keeping uh, a spreadsheet from like when I applied, where I applied, and whether or not I've gotten an answer. And mm-hmm. by the time those two offers came in, I think, so I applied to 40 places. And by the time those two offers came in, 30 had already kind of gave me the no. It's like, eh, good, but we're gonna move on uh, from now. So when those two offers came in, I was elated and very happy that that came through. Yeah. Um, and so as far as the interviewing goes, both interview, uh, both interviews were kind of, uh, they were very laxed, uh, relaxed interviews. So first mm-hmm. one, uh, where I'd be integrating hardware using C++, my background, like having like uh, three years in systems engineering and two years as uh, a learning hardware engineer, uh, for them was sufficient um, to be like, hey, we know, you know. Uh, we know that you know, based on the schooling you've done, based on the company you've worked at, and based on like the phone interviews that we've had. So I've had uh, two phone interviews with them where they would ask me, are you comfortable with integrating, uh, writing drivers in 
in C? And we'd be like, well, I actually don't know that, but I have tried to, uh, like I've had experience doing some bid banging to kind of figure out uh, a protocol in the past, right? And they're like, oh, mm -hmm. okay, you probably know more than enough. And when I was uh, at this new place, they gave me kind of a scenario to say, hey, we have uh, like a customer came to us and they're trying to build this application. Where would you start? How would you think about um, responding to this request for proposal? And I was like, well, so the first thing I would ask is like, well, like, where do you want to deploy? Like, how will the end user be using this application? And once I receive that, this is how I would start thinking about, I would first start thinking about the data model um, yep. using SQL, I'd create a table doing XYZ, that kind of, like a scenario-based interview. It was more yeah. of a scenario-based interview than it was a like, sit here and what algorithm does what, right? Which I like personally. Um, right? yeah. Or it's like, something. give me something pragmatic or practical, you know, not something uh, theoretical in a way, mm -hmm. not even theoretical rather, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, an algorithm isn't a test of knowledge, right? But it's a matter of like, if you're building products or if you're interviewing engineers or work at a company, right? Unless you're doing something in research and you need to ask those algorithm questions, mm -hmm. like if you're working for a consumer facing product, like I feel like those are more valuable yeah. and can the user know how to like, or does it like interviewee know mm -hmm. how to, uh, what you call it? Like actually think about it in like a customer, like focused way focused and also, way, yeah. And like also to give them like a pragmatic assessment for like, you know, building a product, not just doing an algorithm, right? Like exactly more and of a better knowledge and ish, and also like then just giving them an algorithm question and and for hour. for certain for certain areas and for certain companies, like the algorithm question either serve as a way to filter people through, or really the product they work on requires you knowing that, right? Because right. if you're writing a like a a database engine, right? Yeah. Like, like you, you want to know how to compress things, and you want to know how to do a quick sort and stuff like that. But if right. you're working at a high level, easily Google while on the job. That's true, right? But for some people, they kind of use that as a means to see like how much will I need to teach you and yeah. things of the sort, or right? how much can you like think on your feet and like because like sometimes you have to you have to integrate these like algorithms and data structures in unique ways to like build mm -hmm. these new solutions and some of these like yeah. um, primitive technologies. So I understand that. Yeah, for sure. But for me, I appreciated the kind of like the interview they gave me matched the conditions in which I was going to be expected to work in. Yeah. Right? I.e. given a customer who comes, our customer comes to us for this type of things. The first thing that we typically do is we think through our problem. How do you, how would you respond to that? And that, um, really kind of i was able to kind of answer that um because of one the studying that i had done and the reading that i had done in the past so that helped me out a lot and um i think after having two jobs in front of me i kind of ended up calling you our, our mutual friend trey and uh, my friend uh, from work as well to kind of sift through the decision making and i ended up going more with um working at mile two um because what I really was look, what I wanted, what I ended up uh, wanting really was a, a change of industry as well as a mm -hmm. change of, uh, work, right? Had yeah. I gone to the other company, it was only going to be a change of work type, not necessarily industry. And sure. I kind of wanted to switch industries because of the pace of work in aviation. Any project takes at least 
five, you know, four to five years, that's extremely fast. But typically five to ten <laughs> that's um, bad, slow. Is, expect, is the expectation on how you'll work on a project. In the beginning, you're working on it 100%, but the subsequent years, you're kind of working on it as a consulting uh, capacity. Yeah. But in software realm, at least in consumer software, um, the expectations are like two to three months um, a year at best right before uh they switch you on to something uh different and i and i wanted that. i wanted a different pace um and so that like the company that i went to kind of offered that and i was very happy about that yeah that's mm-hmm. dope man yes sir um yeah so i think i heard you say name the company is mile two yeah mile two nice. uh, so- how have the first few weeks been like if you don't mind me asking first two weeks been good man i said so the the, the main thing is that like, working on a Mac is definitely different. Um, yeah. But um, my first project is uh, working on a an Adobe plugin, and I'm working in a Windows virtual machine, so I'm practically nice. at home again, right? Uh, so I'm getting used to that. Uh, the company is very uh, it's lax. Um, there, there's a lot of go getters in there, right? Um, they provide snacks, and they're very. I don't know. It's only 50 people um, when I joined, and that was kind of refreshing uh, for me. And uh, I'm getting to program every day, man. So that's yeah, definitely different. I see progress. Like I'm able to both make progress and see the progress every day. Um, so that's very, uh, very rewarding for me. Yeah, that's sick, man. I'm glad that you're enjoying it. Absolutely, man. Same here. So what excites you most about like being a software engineer now that you're in like the industry like what are you most excited about um or looking forward to um for me the one thing that i'm looking forward to right now is kind of learning the tools of the trade right um in my past uh as an electrical engineer one of the things that i've realized is that a lot of the tools that i wished were there were built by software engineers or the tools Mm -hmm. that i was using were being built by software engineers and there are ways that I wish I could improve the workflow back then that I couldn't because I didn't know how to do software. Yeah. And kind of being able to explore the, those possibilities um, in addition to learning how to program um, is very exciting, right? So learning how, uh, how to build web tools and maybe also desktop tools is the two things that I'm looking forward to right now. That's awesome. That's so sick. Um, dang, man. Appreciate you answering the questions and all that that I had. I think I have one more to close out this interview. Um, what advice would you give to, like, give to folks that are thinking about making the transition from hardware to software? Or actually, or even more generally, just people that are thinking about maybe breaking into, like, like software in general and not going down the coding boot camp route? Yeah. I think for me, one of the things that I'll definitely say is this, is that, um, I had tried a lot to learn through the tutorials and whatnot. And um, I wish I could have admitted to myself early on that perhaps like going back to community college, something that um, was there. Like I didn't, like I didn't think of community college as a viable path, uh, partly because of uh, both the internet didn't, like there's not a lot of people saying like, oh, go back to community college to learn how to code. It's a thing, right? That's one, but also part of it was arrogance. And I wish mm-hmm. that, I had like been a little bit humble earlier and say, Hey, I learn best when I'm turning in an assignment. What if I go there to start? Right. 
um, because like all the bulk of the work wasn't done necessarily at uh, community college only because I did community college and a side project, but community college definitely got me going, right? It got me back to yeah. coding every day and learning the base principles. Um, and so kind of, so the first thing is know your own uh, learning styles and, fo- and like hone in on that and focus on that a lot. And then the next one is what almost everyone says is to find a side project that um, out there to build that can show your skills. And the one caveat I will add is build something that you can do right now. And instead of like fantasizing what you could do in like a year from now. Right. Yeah. Um, Like I fantasize about building much bigger things, but then I realized that I needed something to show um, within weeks instead of like within a year. And so kind of reducing the scope. Yeah. Reducing the scope is definitely of my personal on my side project kind of help me get something in front of people. So those two items would be my, uh, my advice, know your learning styles and hone in on that. And for your project, reduce the scope to something that you can do so that you can actually have something to show. Nice. Awesome. All right, man. Thank you so much again. This has been great and welcome to software. You know, I'm always here if you, if stack overflow comes up short, um, absolutely man absolutely you already helped me out a little bit earlier this week uh by just giving me some pointers on uh good uh software tools and uh software to have for the mac so i appreciate that anytime g all right y'all well then this has been another episode of two black nerds um you can catch us on twitter and instagram at two black nerds um and you can catch me on twitter at kuchu k-s-k-w-u chu and romeo where can they find you at um you can find me on twitter at qui romeo that's k-w-i-r-o-m-e-o and i have a new website uh that's queeromeo.com and uh more active on twitter than it used to be so if you hit me up i'll make sure to answer you asap awesome all right y'all this has been another episode of two black nerds thank you for tuning in we'll catch you later peace peace